and Kayla, and uh, it's always good to sing praises to our God. Um, we're going to uh, be opening the Word today, looking and continuing our new study series in Luke. This I'm going to slide over for you so you don't have to keep looking around that. <laughs> That's a little awkward for you there, so uh, we're trying to figure out logistics for everything, so uh, get there with us. Um, but if you want to open your Bible, we have it with you. I'd ask you to go ahead and turn to uh, Luke chapter 1. I, uh, Pastor Brian often encourages us, um, rightly so, to bring our printed Bibles, and that's good. But uh, you know, a lot of us have little children, and we're struggling and uh, keeping them active and stuff. And so there's nothing wrong with having a Bible on your phone as well. So if you have that, I don't want you to hesitate to open it up on there as well. Uh, little kids can rip pages and things like that. And so sometimes the, the Bible on a device and a screen is a little easier to manage. So... Uh, if you do that, I would encourage you to put on airplane mode and silence those notifications during this time. Hopefully, you limit your distractions a little bit. But uh, um, at any rate, I hope you'll join. Uh, I'll have the word, the text on the screen. But uh, if you have your Bible, I hope you'll open it up and uh, follow along with us. Um, but uh, today, our, our sermon is going to be on the section where uh, Jesus, Jesus' birth, Mary's pregnancy, is foretold to her specifically. And uh, there's not many things in our lives more exciting or more look forward to than the coming of a baby, right? Right? I know right now, when I know of, we have at least two um, ladies who are expecting in our church, of course, Rosie and Keziah, and um, so uh, there may be more, probably are, <laughs> you know, um, we've sort of been blessed in this church to have lots and lots of babies, and um, they are a blessing from the Lord, and uh, certainly that is a time of expectation, every baby's a miracle. Um, and uh, it's more of a, a naturalistic miracle that God has set these things in motion. But we believe that every baby is uh, imbued, imbued with the image of God and uh, an eternal soul. And uh, so we uh, uh, affirm that and believe that and see every child is valuable and a miracle. But if we look in Scripture, we do see that there are some very unique pregnancies, some that would be considered supernatural. And uh, what are some that people can think of outside of what we'll be looking at today? What are some other uh, supernatural pregnancies that we see in Scripture? Anybody, just call it out. For... Isaac. I'm sorry? Isaac. Isaac? Um, Isaac. Abraham and Sarah having Isaac. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, no, 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 you were right. I just, we, were, we were talking past each other for a second. Yeah, the birth of Isaac. Um, Sarah was too old to have babies, and so was Abraham. And um, so, yeah, certainly uh, that message was delivered by an angel. Who else? I heard somebody else. We heard about one last week. If you're open to look, just Luke chapter 1, just look at a few verses earlier. Elizabeth, um, the mother of John the Baptist, or the baptizer, if you prefer. I don't know that he was a Baptist denominationally, but he certainly was the baptizer. Um, and uh, so, yeah, and as we saw last week, um, that birth was um, a supernatural miracle as well. Again, she was beyond the age of childbearing. Um, there are others um, we could look through and, and see, but uh, um, Samuel comes to mind. Um, that uh, you know, his mother had never had children and did not think she ever would. She continued to pray, and God in his mercy answered that prayer and blessed them with the child supernaturally. Um, so it's nothing new necessarily to see this um, in Scripture, but we're going to look today at um, the, uh, the most 
unique one of all, the most miraculous one. And we're going to look at it in the context of a mirac most miraculous message that was delivered to Mary. So uh, I'm about to go ahead and stand um, as we read. And let's read together. Um, hopefully the screen will uh, cooperate. And uh, there's a little bit of a delay, but I got most of the verses <coughs> changed a couple times. So hopefully we can manage this. And uh, a few verses here, so uh, just join in. Um, starting in verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Verse 34. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child will be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Let's pray. Gracious Father in heaven, we come again to your word and we are thankful for it. We're thankful um, for the words preserved here and passed down, recorded for us um, by your servant Luke. And um, as we study this afternoon, I just ask that you will help us to understand the messages and the purposes of it being recorded here. We have to apply it to our own lives and be encouraged and more conformed to the image of Jesus for our time spent here this afternoon. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. So as we look at this, a most miraculous message, we're going to see that it is miraculous in its communication. And we're going to see it was miraculous in its content. And we'll see this miraculous in its consequence. In communication, content, and consequence. And so, to just dive right in, the, the communication of this message was miraculous. First off, it was communicated by an angel. I won't ask for a show of hands how many of you have um, received the message from an angel. Um, it, so it might create some interesting conversations, but uh, I would imagine the percentages are pretty low. Um, we'll just say that. Um, this uh, message, we're told, came from the angel Gabriel. He was sent directly by God um, with the message um, of Mary's coming pregnancy. This was the same angel, of course, who spoke to Zacharias of the coming birth of John. And we also see Gabriel referenced one other time in Scripture. Does anybody know where else we see Gabriel referenced in Scripture? Hint, it's in the Old Testament. Anybody? He spoke... Not Adam and Eve. No, that was God spoke to them directly. Um, he actually spoke to the prophet Daniel. 
Okay, if you look there, that Daniel prayed, and God sent a messenger with a message. And a very interesting story because he said, I would have been here sooner, but I was delayed fighting the prince of Persia. We don't have time to get into the spiritual battle implications of what that may mean and the discussions around that. But suffice to say, volumes of books have been written on just a handful of verses about the angel Gabriel. But uh, I want us to just take away from this the realization that this is the, these are the events that actually happened. Um, uh, it, it wasn't a dream that Mary had. This actually took place. It's recorded as actual historical facts. And so we understand from this then that angels are real. Okay. Um, if they existed in the time of Daniel, and then uh, hundreds, at least hundreds, maybe a thousand years later, I don't know the exact time frame, sorry, um, in the, when Jesus was being born, they're probably still around today. But having said that, that they are real, messages from, them, messages from angels are extremely rare. They are not the norm or what we should typically expect we are never told anywhere to pray and then look for an answer from an angel. I sometimes wish they would. <laughs> Anybody else feel like, man, I just wish an angel would come and give me a hand, get a little angel gram. You know, who's it? Hey, it's Gabriel. Hey, I know you. You got the answer, right? <coughs> yep, here's, the, here's what it is. Just lay it out for you. That would be great, right? Um, that's not the way God typically works. Um, we are to walk by faith and not by sight. Trusting in his providence and his provision. Um, and uh, so that's, that's where we find ourselves. So um, I'm not going to put God in a box and say he couldn't send an angel. But I will say this, I wouldn't wait for one. Okay? Um, in his word, we have everything that we need for our daily living. Um, we have the instructions for us about how we are to live our lives. And we should rely on that um, as our primary source. Now... The Bible does say that some people have entertained angels unawares and that God has sent messengers through and people. And so, again, I'm not going to say that you couldn't or they, you know, that if someone says they have spoken to one, I'm, I'm not going to argue with them. Uh, I'm not going to, you know, convince them that they imagined it or that it, because it, it could be. But my message for you today is that's not the norm. Okay? Um, so this was very unusual. It was communicated by the angel Gabriel. Second, the interesting thing about it, it was it was communicated in kind of a no-good town. Right? Nazareth. Alright? Now, we, we've heard of Nazareth, right? If you grew up in the church, you've always heard of Nazareth, right? I mean, everybody's heard of Nazareth. Jesus and Nazareth. The Bible has Nazareth in there many, many times. But it's almost always only as an identifier of who Jesus was. Jesus of Nazareth. Okay. There's one other place that we have a reference to Nazareth. And from this, I kind of take, you know, that uh, if we were to kind of put it in analogy today, I think it'd kind of be like Compton. Anybody heard of Compton in Los Angeles, right outside Los Angeles? Is it a good town? No. No. Shirts <laughs> straight out of Compton, right? Yeah, they probably would have had shirts straight out of Nazareth. You know, it is known for, for nothing good. One place we see reference in Scripture is in John chapter 1. And verse 46, Philip found Nathanael and said to him, Listen, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote. We found the Messiah, in other words. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. So Nathanael hears this news and he doesn't respond to the fact that we've heard... 
that, that Philip has found Messiah. He's not like, wow, you found the Messiah. Wait a second. No, he's like, whoa, Nazareth? <laughs> All the statements that were made. I think, you know, oh, you found the Messiah would be what I would kind of clue in on. But he clues in on Nazareth. And his statement is, can anything good come out of Nazareth? So I don't really know exactly what the town's issues were, but it didn't have a great reputation. We'll just put it that way. Um, but that's where God chose to uh, have this take place. In a no-good town, we'll just call it that, of Nazareth. And the final thing about the communication, it was to an unsuspecting virgin. Um, we see in verse 27, 29, you know, the greeting from the angel, he calls her favored, and she's like, whoa, are you talking to me? Is there somebody else in here? I'm favored of the Lord. She was not suspecting this. She, she was the last person that she would have thought would have received an angelic message. And he hadn't even gotten past the greeting yet. So she was very unsuspecting. Um, now Mary, um, to be fair, uh, she gets kind of some extreme treatment on both sides of the question of her. Um, you know, people in the Catholic faith tend to exalt her beyond what any Christian should. Um, to the elevation of someone who, to whom we should actually pray. And... Uh, um, you know, elevates her even or, you know, I don't know exactly, but, you know, they, you know, near equality with Jesus himself as the mother of Jesus. Um, skeptics, on the other hand, malign her purity and call into question the biblical record of her. So we're going to take just a few minutes and I want to kind of set the record straight about Mary. And so we have a few points here, um, kind of an aside. I got a nice little pink color, I think. Is that pink? Okay. I'm colorblind, but Windows said it was a light red, so I thought it was probably pink. So, regarding Mary, did you know, point one, don't sing, no singing, okay? <laughs> did you know she was a virgin? Um, now, people, again, people do dispute this, and you'll have the um, biblical scholars, particularly the non-Christian biblical scholars. Again, that idea blows my mind, but there are non-Christian biblical scholars. They say, oh, I don't believe any of it, but I know all about it. <laughs> you know, that's uh, strange. Um, there are professors and the like, and then you have liberal um, theologians, um, liberal Christians, who will say, well, you simpletons just don't understand. It was mistranslated as virgin. The Greek word could also be translated a young girl or teenager, and that's what it should be. And they'll pat us on the head. They'll talk down to us like we don't know. And I mean, these guys are educated, right? They're supposed to know. So we're like, well, maybe he does know. Maybe he's right. So what do we think? Is it just our opinion? No, no, no. We think these guys were right when they translated virgin. Or no, we, maybe those guys are right. Is it just an opinion contest? You know what it comes down to? No, the Bible does not leave us to that. Um, interestingly enough, I'm told that Muslims actually affirm the virgin birth of Christ. And so I can see a scenario where you have a Muslim defending the virgin birth against a liberal Christian. <laughs> Crazy scenario, right? Um, but hopefully after today, we'll all understand biblically that uh, there's really not a question here. Um, I think the clearest teaching on this comes from Isaiah 7.14, where the birth is foretold by the prophet Isaiah. And he says, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold... The virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, nothing significant about a, a teenage girl having a baby back then. Happened every day. 
Certainly wouldn't have been anything that was a sign, right? <laughs> Nothing that would have been supernatural or unique to set this particular event apart uh, if it was just a teenage girl. But it wasn't. It was a virgin. A supernatural event, okay? Now, so I think this, under, this, this makes it basically clear that it was something unique, something out of the ordinary, something worthy of a divine sign upon the event. So I think it's clear. But why is this doctrine so important? This doctrine of the virgin birth. Because then we'll say, you know, we could probably have a lot more converts if we just didn't talk about that. It's just a bridge too far. That's just too hard for people to grasp. I mean, right off the bat, we've got to talk about that. Can't we just talk about Jesus loves everybody, he died for our sins? Can't we just start there? Well, we can start there. In this past Wednesday, we even talked about if you only got a few minutes to lay out the gospel, you may or may not get to the virgin birth. Okay? But it is a foundational principle of Christianity. It is a clear doctrine. It is a major doctrine. If someone will read Scripture and deny the virgin birth, then we need to counsel that person to strongly evaluate their salvation because that is a clear teaching from Scripture. We're going to talk about why it's so important because, you know, I've even thought in the past, you know, maybe it would be easier to kind of gloss over that. Maybe that's a higher doctrine for more mature Christians. That's the spiritual meat Paul talks about. Let's just let's don't start with that. Let's, you know, but let's talk about why it is important because I believe it is Foundational. It is fundamental. And I'm going to give some credit. I did find a, uh, a great article by a guy named Rodney Shaw. He breaks down um, into kind of three categories, so I'm going to use his framework. Um, and so we see in this idea of the virgin birth, first, that it is a great contradiction. Okay? Because virgins don't conceive. Virgins don't have babies. We understand this. Okay? We know how the world works. Okay? And that's just not how things work. That's the point. This was a miracle. It is a contradiction. You see, everything about Jesus, his teachings, his life, the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, goes against everything we naturally want to do and follow in our own minds. It's not natural. It's divine. And so, from his very conception, from the very first event of his birth, we need to come to Jesus on his terms. Not on ours. Someone who's going to balk at this teaching, this miracle, it's not it's only been one more step before they didn't deny the miracles that attested to his divine nature that he that he did in his ministry. And from that it's just a short step further to say, you know, being raised from the dead, he probably didn't happen either. He probably didn't die. Maybe he just was hurt real bad and was kind of unconscious for a couple days, and then he kind of came to you know, and now you're denying the death. So when the whole story of the gospel is a bunch of miracles. A bunch of things that could not happen if Jesus was not God. That's the point. Okay? So to argue this point, to you know, look at this as a great contradiction and reject it, is to reject the gospel. We have to come to him on his terms in his whole life, beginning even with his birth. It is a great contradiction. But more than that, we see that it is a great condescension. The idea of condescension we talk about is kind of has a theological sense. The idea that someone lowered themselves to be on our level. We see this clearly taught in Philippians 2 where um, we are encouraged to imitate Christ in this way. 
Um, verse uh, 5 says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. He condescended to left his deity, his place in heaven, and entered into creation as this helpless baby boy. Goes on, continuation of the gospel message, he was being found in human form. He humbled himself further by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death on a cross. Now these are points that we are very familiar with, and when we think of condescension, I think this is the context in which we normally think of it. But do we consider the condescension of his birth, which is, was essentially being born to an unwed mother in a small town where there was no CNN or social media to distract anybody? This would have been news. This would have been news. And for Mary to say, yeah, it's not what you think, people would not have accepted that. I don't think there was a big push for Believe All Women back then. You know what I'm saying? And people would have, you know, they would have, as, as Jesus came along and his family would have, you know, had the, the scorn of the community, um, the looking down the nose, they would have been condescended to. So we see this condescension that, do we understand the scandal that, this would, that, was, that he was a part of, that his family, it was centered around his birth. It's almost like he said, I don't want to have any advantages. I want to go to the lowest of the low, to the most difficult situation. I don't want anybody to say, well, I, I didn't, I, I didn't, I took an easy road. I didn't want anybody to say that. He wanted to come in and condescend as much as he possibly could. And I want to take a second here and just speak to, I know there are people here who find themselves in a situation where they don't live with both of their parents. And there's lots of reasons why that may happen, but I want to encourage you today, if you've ever had somebody look down on you or speak down to you, or criticize you because of that situation you find yourselves in, I want to say whoever did that was wrong. Because that situation had nothing to do with you. Okay? You were created in the image of God. You were not a mistake. You were not an accident. God has a purpose for you and for your plan. We may use the term illegitimate. I think that is wrong. We do not, there's no place for that because there's nothing illegitimate about you. Okay? In fact, if you have ever been looked down on because of that situation, you probably have more in common with Jesus than I do. You know, I can sympathize with that situation and call it horrible and try to encourage you in that way, but I can't really empathize with you in that way. But our Savior can. Jesus can. So I encourage you, if you, if you struggle with this, if you find yourself with a situation, take that to Jesus. He understands. He can bear that burden with you and for you. And I just want to tell you that if you ever want to talk about this situation and pray with that, I would be more than happy to do that. Because we as a church cannot embrace that sort of stigma. It's not. Okay? We need to act as Jesus did and love his people. Fact is, if things had been a little bit different and Mary was living today, she would have been counseled to have an abortion about that for a minute. There are people who, given the, circ the circumstances were different, there are people who would have actually advocated for the murdering of Jesus Christ in the womb. <laughs> that blows my mind, but I think it's a very real reality. Circumstances, every baby is a gift and a miracle 
That's why we're so happy to be a part of Love Life. Next month, they're going to start back up again. We're going to be sponsoring. I forget the dates. It's pretty on the calendar probably for next week. Um, it's not in our announcements for the day. But that'll be coming up in, in February. I think it's maybe the third Saturday in February. We'll just pay, stay tuned for more details. But uh, we want to be faithful to support that and to continue to pray to support that and pray that God would be gracious and that we would see the end to this atrocity of abortion in our time. So we see the virgin birth is a, uh, um, one of the point of the condescension. Um, we also see in Isaiah 53, 3, where it talks about that Jesus was despised, he was rejected of men, acquainted with grief. And we think about that again of his ultimate death being associated with these things, but it started at his very birth. He was despised and rejected even at his birth. And this is fundamental from the fact of the virgin birth. And this is the great contradiction and the great condescension. The virgin birth is a great confirmation. Because Jesus is like us in many ways. Okay? We were encouraged by the fact that he, he lived a, a life like we did. He was tempted in any way, every way, just as we are. But he was also very different from us. Fundamentally different. He is God and he is man. Um, it's that the truth is not only from his birth, but that truth is confirmed by his birth. We see in Scripture, the New Testament, the writers um, describe him as the second Adam. Okay? Um, in 1 Corinthians, the first Adam became a living being, and the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. That was Jesus Christ. So the virgin birth is critical to this representation as the second Adam, because if he was in the lineage of Adam and a descendant of Adam, he's still under that um, federal headship of Adam. But he's not. He didn't, he didn't have an earthly father. He's a second Adam, created by God supernaturally. Okay? And so as death entered through Adam, so Jesus, this second Adam, can bring life. Okay? And this all stems from the doctrine of the virgin birth. So it is an important doctrine. It is one we must hold to. We could preach an entire sermon. We could preach, preach a couple sermons. Uh, volumes have been written on this topic. So if you uh, want to learn more, uh, I'd love to talk to you in more detail. But for sake of time, we're going to move on from here. Um, also about Mary, she was favored by God. Um, there's no doubt about that, that she um, was special. Um, she was specially called and appointed for the purpose of um, bearing the, the Messiah. And uh, verse 28 makes that crystal clear. Um, again, some people will sort of minimize her role. Um, so while she was favored by God, the third point, she is not to be elevated into a position of being worshipped or prayed to in this sense. Um, we see clear um, teaching of this. I'm just going to list these verses. If you want to look at them, you may want to take some notes or take a picture of the slide and reference it a little bit later when you have more time. But in Luke 11, we see someone comes to Jesus in his ministry and says, Blessed is, blessed be your mother, essentially. And Jesus is like, no, no, no. Blessed are those who believe. He right there you know, takes the shift away from, no, no, no. Mary is my mother, but she's not worthy of honor or you know, respect in that way. In that sense, almost worshiping. Okay, um, she had a role. She was favored by God, but let's let's don't let that become a whole sect, a whole error that people could fall into. 
Acts 1.14, we see when all the before Pentecost, when all the uh, believers were gathered to pray, we see Mary was there praying with them. They were not there, she was not there being prayed to. Um, they weren't saying, well, Mary, let's pray to you and let you intercede for us. There was nothing of that. She was there praying with them. Um, and then in 1 Timothy 2.5, we are told that Jesus, there's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Not multiple others to whom we should pray to be our second mediator between God and man. There's one, and it is Jesus Christ. So I just wanted to cover some of those things quickly. I think it's important. Um, and uh, if you have questions on that, again, we can talk about that more um, afterwards or reach out to me um, in, privately. So we see the miraculous communication of the message um, by the angel Gabriel in a no-good town and to an unsuspecting virgin. Let's look now at the content of the message. We see that the, the content was lofty in scope. Verses 30 through 33, the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus. Okay, so far, you know, pretty normal. Verse 32, He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. This is a lofty message that is being proclaimed to her. And she's like, whoa, how is this going to happen? You know, But uh, it is uh, lofty in scope. We see that Mary is special in God's eyes that we already talked about. Um, and then as special as she is, her son is going to be even more special. As I just read, you know, he is going to be the Messiah. He will reign. And of his kingdom there will be no end. In addition to the lofty scope, it's even loftier in specifics. Because she says, how is this going to happen? In verse 35, as we already read, the angel says, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Verse 37, nothing will be impossible with God. Because Mary's like, Wow, the scope sounds pretty amazing. How's it all going to work? And then he really blows her mind. <laughs> right? No, it's not after you get married to Joseph. It's going to happen before while you're still a virgin. And it's going to be, and she's like, wow. Okay, so um, the content of the message was miraculous. And then finally we look at the consequence of the message. And this is pretty miraculous as well. Um, you know, someone just imagine if you heard a message like this, what would you think? How would you respond? I don't know how to respond. I can't even imagine. You know, anything like this, an angel from the Lord. But what we see is the, the consequence of this are twofold. One, Mary believes the message. And two, Mary submits to the word of the Lord. She believes what God says to the angel, and she submits to what she, God says. To do. It's a great pattern for us to follow. Okay? As we look at this message, a most miraculous message, this is just the beginning of the most miraculous message. This is a miraculous message, but the most miraculous message is, of course, the gospel. And we're going to look at the same three things of it. If we look at the gospel, its contents 
are counterintuitive. Right? Again, they go against what we would naturally think. Oh, we need to earn our way into God's favor. That's not how it works. It's counterintuitive. But it's exactly what we need. Why? Because we're not able to earn our way into God's good graces. And he doesn't ask us to. Okay? The content of the gospel message is exactly what we need. Because as we stand as fallen short of the glory of God, guilty of the wages of our sin, which are death, the good news is that that eternal life is the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The consequence of the gospel, the most miraculous message, is for all mankind to repent and believe. This means you. This isn't for people out there. This is for you here today. So I ask you, You've heard the message of the gospel. Do you believe and submit to that? As Mary believed the word, believed the message, and submitted to it, is that your story? As you hear the message of the gospel, that Jesus came, was born, lived, died, was buried, and rose again, paying the price for our sins, do you believe that? And do you submit yourself to that? Do you follow Him, forsaking your sin, believing and following His teaching? That's the consequence of the gospel. It's for all mankind to repent and believe. And the communication of the most miraculous message, the communication of the gospel, it is in Scripture, but then it goes from person to person. God has chosen the foolishness of preaching. To proclaim the gospel. I mean, if I, if, if I was on a marketing team and I had the power of the Almighty at my disposal to get a message across to all mankind for all time, what, what, what would you do? How would you get the message out there? No limits. I'm not right at the stars. You know, clearly, you know, the message of the gospel. The three circles, you know, in the stars. You know, what would you all do? Mandatory phone pop-ups. <laughs> Just beam it straight through devices, huh, for technology? Yeah. Every day until they accept it, right? Sure. What else? Have you ever seen the, the gospel bracelets? Maybe everyone's born with a tattoo of the gospel bracelet. You know, I don't know. Um, but I, I would think there'd be some ways I would do it. I wouldn't do it through the foolishness of preaching. I, that would not be what I would come up with, probably. But God, in His wisdom and His plan, that is the way that He chose to do it. That's the way, if you were to come to faith, it was through that method. Through hearing the Word. Hearing the Word probably through someone who ex- helped you to understand it, explained it to you, taught it to you. Okay? And then... You believed it and acted on that. So that is how we need to be faithful to do that. Now, last week, Pastor Brian issued a challenge. Okay? Who remembers what the challenge was? Let's start there. Who remembers what the challenge was from Pastor Brian? Adam, what was the challenge? Have some communication with someone, intentional communication about the gospel message. Now, if you completed the challenge, would you be willing to raise your hand and say, yes, I was able to complete that challenge this week. We got one. 
If you have two, three, praise God. If you're online, give me a thumbs up. <laughs> um, if you were to complete the challenge. All right. So, in a moment, it would, it would, I want to, if you might want to share a testimony about how you did it and what you did, I'd love to hear from it. I think the rest of us would love to hear that as well. So, if you'd be willing to share, I don't want to call anybody out, but I'll ask for a volunteer in just a moment. For those who didn't raise their hand, okay, it's not a moment of condemnation, but this is a moment of encouragement. Say, hey, the challenge didn't end in a week. Okay? This, the challenge doesn't end today. It's sort of a check-in today. All right? It's sort of a checkpoint today. The challenge continues because we continue in faith. The most miraculous message is still needing to be delivered to God's people who have not yet heard. To his lost sheep who have not yet heard and believed. And he has using, chosen us to be the vessels of that. So the challenge continues. You didn't fail, in a sense. Okay? Um, but I'm going to continue that challenge. Hey, it's still out there. We're still called to share. Um, so I'll ask, would anybody want to volunteer to just uh, stand and give us a brief word of testimony about how it went for you? Uh, maybe what you did. You know, did you hear a response? Anybody? I'm not going to wait all day, but if anybody would like to, now's the time. I'll drink my water. Don, go ahead and share for you. This is Don. He's uh, Jim's neighbor, and uh, he's uh, come with us several times. Glad you found your way to our new location. Welcome. What would you like to share with us? Thank you. Uh, last night, as a matter of fact, I was uh, given an opportunity to speak with someone who had a rough lifestyle. And... Uh, I had spoke to them a couple of times trying to get them to attend church somewhere. To church somewhere. Uh, they had to live near me. But uh, I was able to tell them, I said, look, I can tell you the way you need to live and the way you do this and that. And so you try this on your own, but you're not making it. So it doesn't seem like you can do what you're supposed to be doing. I said, because you keep coming back to the hospital. And I said, I can tell you all day, but I'll tell you one thing that is absolutely true. You are not going to do anything without God. Nothing. I was always wondering myself what God's message to me was. And I finally hit it in the head. And I heard these words while I was sitting in the service. You cannot do anything without me. I mean anything. It, there's so many things that I've looked at in my life that I've screwed up just like everybody else. And just thought, well, it's, it was all because I tried to do it on my own, my own mind, and my own concepts, and what I, all I do is that. But you can't. You end up running out. You end up. The only way that something works out, the best way, is to rely on God to do it for you. And I was able to tell this person, I said, you know, if you don't try to ask, well, I pray every day, so I'm not talking about just praying, I said, you have to. It's, it's hard to tell somebody how to believe, because we have faith, and somebody that doesn't, uh, you have to figure out how to say it to them and get it in their head. But I was able to tell this person, and 
I was adamant. I was like, you are not going to do anything about God. I don't care how little the task Why? is. It's so much easier if you just ask God. See, it's not going to steer you the wrong way. Your mind will steer you the wrong way. Your nature will steer you the wrong way. Other people will steer you the wrong way. It's like your parents. God is your father. You trust your parents because they're not going to tell you anything that's going to hurt you. When they criticize you about something you're doing in your life, wanting to change something, they might get on you about it, but it's for your own good. And it's because they are probably the only ones that are not going to see you wrong. They love you and they want you to see you be succeeding wrong. And that's the way the Lord is doing us. We can't do it on our own. But I was able to tell this person, uh, don't know whether they'll follow the advice or not, but just the, the bottom line was you're helpless. You think you are, but you are. And until you submit to that and admit that you don't know it, and you can't do it, then that's a breaking point. And it takes a long time for some people to get there, but I was able to at least say that to them, whether it didn't get or not. Well, all we do is uh, plant the seed and water the seed, and then we trust God to give the increase. Thank you for sharing, Don. Thank you. And the flip side of that is that we can't do anything without God. As we saw in verse 37 of our text today, nothing is impossible with God. Amen. Um, anybody else? Time for one more. Anybody else had something they wanted to share? No? All right. Adele said she shared with her grandmother. Sorry? Adele said on the chat. Or the, okay, great. Thank you, Adele. Good. Uh, glad you're tuning in. Um, Shekinah? just occurred to me while you were relaying that story. Sometimes we have this uh, expectation that people are going to get upset yes. if we talk to them about that. Instantly, and yes. for some reason this thought occurred to me. What do you think Gabriel would have said? What do you think would have happened if Gabriel God said, alright, go tell Mary this. And you're like, you want me to tell her what? 
she is not going to believe that. There's no way I'm going to be able to get an angel on. Give me the wings and everything. She is not going to buy that. <laughs> Can you imagine? No, he was a messenger. God said go. He said, yes, sir. I'll go deliver the message. What she does with it is up to her. That's the kind of attitude we should have. You know? And um, God says go. Share the word. That's all we need to do. Trust him. You know, and then I can see her looking, oh boy, this is going to be crazy. Well, I wonder what she's going to say. And lo and behold, we see how she responded in faith, in belief, and in submission. And uh, God's people will hear the gospel that way. You know, his sheep will hear that. So hear his voice. So uh, that's, that's uh, it's encouraging. Thank you for sharing that, Shekinah. And uh, what's, what's uh, their names? Is yeah. it the Greys? Yes. His Collectively, we could... Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's, his dad, his dad, and his stepmom are both notable, but his mom's side of the family is, is kind of all over the place. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we're praying. They need Jesus for real. Absolutely. Well, somebody want to lift up uh, Levi's family in prayer right now? Just for salvation for them and opportunities for them to, to share? Alexa, would you just want to... Just pray briefly for them right now. So listen, uh, I would love for us to take time every Sunday to, to, to share some testimonies like this. So there are going to be opportunities. So uh, look for them this week. Ask God for them. I believe He will answer and will give you opportunities. Okay? And then it's our responsibility to, to be faithful to walk through on those things. And uh, it doesn't have to be a face-to-face thing like Don. Uh, it could just be writing a letter like Luke did. Luke wrote a letter. And look at what the impact it had on us. So um, I want to encourage you. Um, you know, to uh, continue on the challenge, and uh, we're going to have an opportunity, like I say, each week to kind of share testimonies about this. Um, but I do want to uh, wrap up our, our sermon with these questions regarding the most miraculous message. You know, for you, have you heard the message? You've heard it today. Um, I believe that uh, it's been laid out clearly. Do you believe it? You know, um, as Mary, did you receive it and, and believe it as she did? And then are you sharing it? 